Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening, everybody in the world listening to this radio broadcast. Stevie B's Media Production presents the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler. And this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio in the great state of North Carolina with my co-host, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Steve Cordell. From the state of Illinois, Stanley Hubbard from Indiana, and Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida, Yusuf Al Ford from the state of Indiana, and Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege to bring your program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give us a call to the live show at 713-955-0508, or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website and listen to the show live there. You'll find this show on pages two. Uh, it's probably on page one now since I've gone on the air. And if you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts on this radio show, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can call Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stay along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving Heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be with my co-host, 
Lynn McMillian and Robert Lee Johnson as they break into our listeners, the bread of life. And also my co-host, Yusuf Al Ford, who will be answering our question that on the hearts of so many, we just pray that you would bless them and their families that support their efforts that they may continue to sow the king, the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you would bless our listeners who are tuning in via blog, talk, radio, as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, that they may consider their eternal stance before you, and that their hearts may be pricked. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're just so grateful for his precious sacrifice on Calvary's cross. For without such a sacrifice... We will not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, I pray that you will continue to bless us, keep us, and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. In the first segment of the broadcast, my co-host, Glenn McMillian, he serves with the Waterview Church of Christ there in Richardson, Texas. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, I have a question from my social media platform on Facebook that I'll be posing to my co-host, Yusuf Al Ford. He serves as the evangelist with the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. And to close out the show, my co-host, Robert Lee Johnson. He serves as the evangelist with the New Horizon Church of Christ there in Lake City, Florida. And he'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles now and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next voice here be that of my co-host, Glenn McMillian. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Come on and send the light. Send the light. 
listening to the gospel light radio show give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of jesus christ now my co-host glenn mcmillian thank you stevie uh tonight let's set the table with our scripture reading for this evening go to second timothy chapter 2 verses 15 through 19 and the bible reads be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a, root, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness, and their talk will sk- spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, claiming the resurrection has already taken place, and they are jeopardizing the faith of some. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to keep away from wickedness. Tonight, we're talking about a conspiracy, or that's the best way of a phrasing it that I can I can think of. There, we we talk a lot on this show about uh, false doctrines that come out of other denominations and other faith systems that threaten to to creep into the church and how to avoid and how to counter and how to answer uh, those things when when they come up. Tonight we're doing something a little bit different. This is a a false doctrine that doesn't necessarily come from outside of the church. It originated, uh, I believe, with members of the body of Christ itself and has the potential um, to cause major disruption in any congregation where it gets a foothold. And this is, we're talking about uh, known as full preterism, or also known as realized eschatology. That's a lot of big words. What it really means is what we just talked about in Second Timothy chapter, 5, uh, chapter 2, uh, where we have men who are preaching that the resurrection has already happened and that the judgment has already taken place. Now, before we get into that, and before we 
really explore that topic. Uh, I want to do a little bit of background. It, it's been a – this is a, a topic I've meant to do a lesson on for a while. It's been – it came up a few years ago, uh, right around the time that I started on this program was when I first was exposed to um, this concept. Uh, and at the time, I really didn't think of it, any of it, anything of it, but uh, since then, uh, I've seen several uh, acquaintances who were uh, in the church who, who were at various levels of, of spiritual growth in the church fall prey to uh, this doctrine. And it, 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 it was something that I, I felt that needed to, to be addressed, but I didn't know a whole lot about it, so I, I took the time to do some study on it, to do some examination of what they teach, what they are trying to, the points that they're trying to make, and try to come up with a response that dealt with uh, those issues in a, in a detailed and robust way. And after doing all of that, after learning and, and, and studying and, and listening to these guys talk about what they teach, um, we're going to see that, the, that, that that is not entirely necessary. If you've ever known somebody who's been caught up in a conspiracy theory, uh, there's, there's a couple of things that they all have in common. <laughs> There's always some they who is hiding the truth as they see it from the, the majority of people. The, the, there is a, and what they call the established narrative, there is the, the, the story that everyone accepts. For some reason, they have found a way to reject that narrative and then, and therefore, that opens them up to study what they call the truth. And the truth, as they see it, uh, is something that has been obviously hidden away for nefarious purposes and therefore allows them to have the ability to have special knowledge that nobody else has. <laughs> and... The allure of having that kind of special knowledge, uh, whether you're talking about people who believe in the flat earth theory, who believe that NASA is, is the, the mysterious thing that is hiding the, the, the secrets of the flat earth from everybody, or uh, you're talking about anti-vaxxers who are you know, hiding the, the fact that vaccines are harmful or, or that they contain mind-controlled drugs or whichever uh, version of that you want to go with. Um, it's all the same, and and what you'll find is that people who latch on to one of these things are, are more likely to latch on to others. But it, it's this common rejection of the established narrative, the, 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 the mainstream sources that allows people to uh, then latch on to fringe elements 
and go down rabbit holes of uh, of thought that that get them into they're so far away from from reality <laughs> and they're so lost in the weeds that now it is it's impossible to to find their way back and the same thing happens here when we we're dealing with the idea of Jesus Christ has already returned back in AD 70. So the idea is that in AD 70, when the temple was destroyed by Rome, that was the the the, the end of the world as as far as the Bible was concerned. So Jesus talks in Matthew 24 about the uh, the temple being destroyed after his disciples uh, asked him when the end of the age would be. And so there's this conflation there of two kinds of conflicts that, that Jesus is talking about, the, the destruction of the temple, and also there, there are questions about the end of the age. And so there's, a, there's some uh, muddying of the language there. There's some, some questionable aspects of what what verses are referring to what thing, um, and so when a person has confusion about that particular uh, verse, that this, that particular discourse, uh, the all of that discourse as it's called, then that that cracks a door open, and therefore since they have questions about this all of that discourse, whether Jesus is actually saying that the end of the world is going to happen in AD 70, then everything else uh, flows from that. So when we have uh, the problem that we're seeing here, that we have a person who has embraced the fact that the Olivet Discourse means that Jesus predicted the end of the world in AD 70. Therefore, we have to reinterpret everything that we know about Scripture in light of this new truth as, as, as we see it. And what, what does that cause to happen? How does, how does that work? And how do we, we how do they make it fit in 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 their understanding of scripture? When we're, we when we reject the the common <laughs> narrative, the, the 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 idea that that Jesus is coming in the future, and we accept that Jesus has already come, then we we have to change what we hope for into something else. We, we have to change how we understand the new heaven and new, new earth into something else. We have to change uh, the whole <laughs> narrative of scripture has to change in order to, to make this fit. And how, how they do this primarily is they spiritualize a lot of the language of, of scripture. So when we talk about spiritualizing the language. What, we're, what we mean is that we understand that Jesus taught in parables throughout the New Testament. 
So he, he talks about, uh, you know, the, the sower and the seed, that, that doesn't necessarily mean a, an actual sower and an actual seed. So those are, there are spiritual realities tied to those concepts. And we understand the point of parables, and, and Jesus will often explain the point of those parables when he uses them and he, when he employs them. The, the problem with the, the, with the people that teach this doctrine is that they don't believe that Jesus' parables are limited to the scriptures that indicate that he's talking in parables. They, they basically believe that Jesus is always talking in parables. He's, and not only is he always talking in parables, but it, his apostles are always talking in parables as well. There is never a situation in which plain language is used. And therefore, interpretations of, of all of the language uh, have to be employed. So you never get a straight answer. You, it, even in the explanations of the parables, those themselves are subject to being parables. And therefore, it's basically a code that has to go, go through throughout Scripture and has to be understood uh, in order to uh, get a full understanding of what the Bible is talking about. And, of course, only a select few people have, under, who have come to this understanding. Uh, people who have no actual training in the Greek language or, or in uh, ancient cultures at all, uh, but have given themselves fake doctorates in order to make you think they do. Um, so why is the question? And, and, and this is the part that I, I try to bring out whenever I deal with false doctrines on this program is the why of it. There's, there's always a why to these things. And there, there was a, a long time when I was trying to, to understand this, when I couldn't figure this out. Um, because there are massive implications of saying that the judgment has already passed. And we'll get into those in, in a little bit. Uh, so, so why would you accept those things uh, in order to promote that? And it comes down to the same thing. If, 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 if we look at the, at the implications of what does it mean that the resurrection has already taken place, if Jesus has already returned, the judgment has already happened, what are the implications of that? Well, there really are only two possibilities, right? If the judgment has already taken place, from our perspective, then either our judgment has already been passed before we even were born, before we even had a chance to do anything, our judgment was passed. Or we are not we were never subject to judgment. And functionally, from our perspective, those are the same thing, right? If 
the, the judgment has already passed. It's, it's God has already pronounced my guilt or innocence back in, in AD 70, 1900 years before I was born. Then my actions in the future don't really have any relevance, right? Because I've, I've already been adjudicated guilty or innocent based on something that happened in 87. So, so what is the point of what I'm doing now if, I've, if I'm already subject to judgment? If, if the judgment that was coming for me has already been laid down. Or in the other in the other case, I am not part of the the group of people who are subject to judgment. So again, what is the point of moderating my behavior if there is no, if there's no judgment to come? There's no there, there are no consequences for what we're doing. We, we're either going into the universalist concept of everybody is going to be saved, or we're going into the same issues that we have with Calvinistic predestination, where God has arbitrarily decided uh, some people are going to live and some people are, or some people are going to heaven and some people are going to hell, based on a judgment he made way in the past, not just based on anything that I did individually. So what is odd is that these same men who, who promote this doctrine will join me when I condemn Calvinism, when I go through the, the issues with Calvinism and the issues with universalism and, and bring those to the table. And they will, they will come right alongside me and say amen to everything I say and not really understand that their doctrine, the thing that they're presenting, has the exact same implications with the exact same problems. So then why? <laughs> it brings us back to, to, to that question. Why are they, they, they doing this? And, and again, the, the problem comes in the number one, they don't like the, the, the method by which Calvin and the universalists get to their conclusion, whichever conclusion they, they decide to go with. But they like the effect of it, right? It still does the same thing. It ends up freeing them from any actual consequences or responsibility, even if consequences come. It wasn't really their fault. Um, so there is a there is a freedom in the nothing I do matters, and nothing and there's there, I have no responsibility uh, over what I'm doing. And and that is some of what's coming up. But the other thing is just the the whole going back to the whole why I call this a conspiracy, there's a there is a, a joy, a, a a special kind of happiness that comes I remember when you were, were five years old and you learned about something. You 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 found out something that would affect your classmates or your friends uh, before anybody else did, and you 
danced around the playground singing, I, I know something you don't know. And, and you just you were able to say that to them and, and run away before they were able to ask, ask you any questions and, and find out the thing that you knew before them. And I think that there's a, when you talk about conspiracy theories in general and you talk about people who promote this, this doctrine specifically, that's a lot of <laughs> what they get out of it. It's, it's the, the idea that everybody else is coming to church and doing these things and, 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 and being good people um, in order to affect the outcome, uh, in order to make sure that they're calling an election sure, in order to make sure that they are in right standing with God, in order to uh, achieve or at least approximate uh, the, the sanctification and righteousness uh, that the Bible seems to call us to. Uh, but what we don't know is that none of that actually matters. And it's in, in, in the, your religious leaders, your, your eldership, is, is hiding that from them. They know, they know that there, there really is no point to any of this. But you are <laughs> still laboring under the impression that these things matter. And that and that is the attitude that that is being brought to to the table. It's it's the the conspiracy attitude that things are being hidden from you that must be revealed only by the select few individuals who have the this knowledge. So, as we can see. Um, this concept of full Peter's or realized eschatology, there are a lot of arguments that they make. There's a lot of points that, could, that, that they make attachment on. One, one person in particular has made almost a 1,000 videos uh, dissecting Matthew 24 just by itself. Uh, before not even really dealing with any of the other uh, scriptures that they they use to make their case, um, and it's easy to get into into the weeds, and you can try to go down that road with them. But just like any other conspiracy theory, which that's that's how when you start arguing those those points and you start getting down down in the weeds with them, that's how they win. Um, you know, flat earthers don't don't win <laughs> when you just look at a picture of the globe and, and look at it and say it's round. They they get you on little tiny minute things that are that you can't answer because you don't have the scientific background or or know the mathematics to to answer the question. And so when they get you on that, then they say, okay, see, you can't answer that. That that's where things fall apart. And then they try to build from that point of knowledge where you were lacking and they build their structure around it until you, you start questioning reality because of the one thing that, that got you off track. Because that's how they got off track, right? They they saw the one thing that that messed them up, that that, that caused them to, to ask a question and then 
the, the questions that they asked didn't get answered in the way that they thought it should be answered. So they had to find a source that answered the question differently. And then they found another source that, that agreed with that, and then this is how you get it. And, and, and like all of these conspiracy theories, uh, back in the day, they, they would have a hard time getting off the ground because, you know, one person, one crackpot going out of the, out of the mainstream um, by themselves, you know, doesn't have much influence. But when you have the Internet and these people can, can make forums and can find each other, um, then they, they only start to reinforce themselves and then share their own sources and then make themselves seem larger than they are. So maybe, you know, this is not a, as big a problem as it seems to be <laughs> because, I, again, I, I run into these guys on the Internet. I've never really run into them in real life, but I know that there are congregations that these, these men who are in these groups are in congregations uh, all around the country. And so these ideas are coming to a, a, a congregation near you if they have not shown up already. Um, and so how to, how to deal with them is not to get into the weeds of them. As, as Paul says in our, in our verse here, you know, avoid worldly and empty chatter because it will lead to further ungodliness. Their talk will spread like gangrene. You know, when you get down in the weeds of them, when you start to you, to argue with them on, on the, the finer points of their their issues, that's where they have an opportunity to catch you on something that you may not have studied as thoroughly as you should have, or are just just maybe maybe new to you because they use different sources and they come at verses from different angles and maybe. You just haven't heard that before, and, and, and it catches you off guard. It's always better to just take, take the approach of dealing with these things from the big-picture perspective. And the big-picture perspective here is, look, if the resurrection has already come, then everything is off the table. I, either Again, you're, you're either dealing with predestination because the judgment has already been the judgment has already been handed down, you're you've already been judged. Or universalism, you you are not subject to judgment, so therefore you will never be judged. It, there there is no consequence for whatever you do. And those both of those are unacceptable from a biblical perspective. It's that that's not the kind of God that we serve. You are not going to going to win on the <laughs> on the details. You're going to win it at the big picture level. If, if you if if we understand from what we with what we did when we went over to the, the, the lesson on Calvinism, we understand predestination from a biblical perspective. Then this whole idea of the resurrection having already happened again. Ask the big question. If the resurrection has already happened, why are we still here? If the world has ended, why is the world continuing? What was the end and why nothing matters and nothing matters? We might as well pack up and go home. And 
if they want to keep playing this game. And 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 and, and the mo- the more honest ones of them actually admit this. There are, <laughs> and 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 that's and that's the should be the death now to to this doctrine. And, and to begin with, it's, it's the fact that the people who are leaders and, and the the thought leaders and the uh, drivers of this doctrine. Uh, nine times out of ten, they get to a point where the implications of the doctrine overwhelm everything else, and they 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 eventually realize that if there is no if the resurrection has already happened, if judgment has already happened, if death has already been defeated, then that's that's a whole other thing. If death has already been defeated, which what kind of death has been defeated? Because with physical death. It's still happening. People still live and we still die. That that's been the same for the last 1900 years. So what kind of death has been defeated? It must be, as they say, spiritual death. But if spiritual death is defeated, what does that mean? That means that what is spiritual death? Spiritual death is the separation from God that happens when we sin. Well, if spiritual death has been defeated, then there is no separation from God when we sin. Therefore, we might as well just keep sinning. <laughs> and, and again, that goes back to what Paul says in, in, in Romans chapter six that people are already are already saying this. So, so we continue in sin that grace may bend. Certainly not. That, that, that's not the way it works. But these guys are teaching that that's the way it works. And so, so we have enough information from from a big picture perspective to to reject this doctrine out of hand. But and so so there's no there's no there's no need <laughs> to, to get into the weeds and, and to try to figure out uh, how they make it make sense because I guarantee you they they have a way of making it make sense to this um, going down that rabbit hole and trying to get to the point to where it makes sense uh, it, it, it it's like it says it's like Timothy said, it's, it's it's it worldly, it's empty chatter. It'll lead to further ungodliness because it can only lead to further ungodliness when you teach that there are no no more consequences of sin, that we are not the people that were subject to sin sin or or judgment. What what else can that do but lead to further ungodliness? And that's why. Uh, Arminius and Philetus were uh, were thrown out, uh, were, were put out of the Church of Ephesus, and, and why we need to avoid people and, and, and rebuke people who bring up this doctrine now. What is what is all those things that are old? They're new again. Uh, there's no no such thing as a unique uh, false doctrine. Most of the, most of these things have already been dealt with uh, in Scripture. So which means that they are concepts that go back all the way to the first century. This is not new. Even though it, it sounds new, even though you may not have heard of it, obviously there were, were guys in uh, the Church of Ephesus who were teaching that way back in Paul's day. So it's just come back into vogue because the Internet allows these guys to get together. But um, be on the lookout. This, this, this doctrine, this, this idea is coming to a congregation near you. Um, 
the the guys that that preach this are are very uh, high on their own uh, opinion of themselves in terms of their own intellectual crowd. Um, but if you won't be able to engage them or, or have a civil, logical conversation with them because the the language that they use doesn't make sense. The, the way that they look at scripture uh, doesn't make sense. They they talk about having <laughs> a consistent hermeneutic. They 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 have a practice of rejecting the the most common the answer. They they answer that most of the scholars, most of the people who have studied this topic for 2,000 years, the conclusion that they draw is automatically the wrong answer. That, for, that means you have to fall back to other sources uh, that are fringe sources of negative. And they do this consistently. And they call that a consistent hermeneutic. They apply a consistent hermeneutic. If a consistent hermeneutic is... is only a virtue if you are consistently applying it correctly. <laughs> if you are consistently doing the right thing, if consistently doing the wrong thing, you can be consistent on what and still be wrong. Um, and that's and that's the problem that we have here. They, it makes sense to them because of the way that they are, the logic that they are applying. But the logic they are applying and consistently applying is not consistent with the way that you we should be reading scripture and, and we should be understanding it. So um helps I hope that I that doesn't muddy the waters as 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 much as it clears it up. Um but just be on the lookout for for this uh this idea is coming to a congregation near you that the the, the resurrection has already happened and you missed it. Uh even though <laughs> uh the the, the the Bible says that every eye was supposed to see him, but apparently we were all blinking at that point. So uh, the lesson is yours. I, I hope that this is, has been uh, helpful and beneficial to you. Uh, keep listening and stay tuned in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. And if you miss me from singing, sing. And you can't find me nowhere. nowhere. Come on up to glory. glory. I'll be singing the fair. Yes, I will. And I, I know the Lord. He will greet me. Over yonder. Over, yonder. Over on the other shore. To glory. glory, I'll be praising the fair. Heard a minister say to see other days Nowhere. Nowhere. Come on up to glory. glory. 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out question. We want to we have a question from my shout it out platform on my social media platform on Facebook that we will be posing to my co host, my newest co host here, Yusuf Al Ford, and he is our newest co host on the show and, and this is his first appearance on the show. So we'd like to welcome him to this broadcast and we look forward to hearing this lessons on this radio show. And we also want to encourage our listeners to get involved with those biblical discussions that are there on social media, Facebook. Uh, Yusuf Al Ford, welcome to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening, everyone. Um, G. McMillan asked the question, question, uh, why did Jesus say, I will build my church instead of I will build? That's a very, very, very good question. Um, In order to answer this, this question, there are several things we want to consider tonight. Uh, One of the most famous apostles of the New Testament wrote to a young man uh, who was studying to be a minister, and he wrote wrote this statement to him. He said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That can be found in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Now, the Bible most of us read is the King James Version, one of the oldest and most accurate translations um, of the New Testament letters. I've been using this this version for many, many years, and, and it's pretty consistent, 
very consistent, and it's right on point. And so we need to consider that, uh, first of all, that the New Testament originally was not written in English, but there were different, it was written in different languages. And we can go to the Bible. We have that information available to us. If you want to follow me tonight in this segment, I'm sort of a scriptures sort of guy. I love going to the scriptures. I love the Bible because it has all the answers that we need uh, to answer these these types of questions. Now, I'm coming from St. John chapter 19, and beginning with verse 19, it says, and Pilate wrote a title. This was after the uh, right before the, the crucifixion of Christ. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written, here it is, in Hebrew and Greek and in Latin. The New Testament was translated uh, from the Texas Receptus Received Text series of the Greek text. So our translation came from Greek, translated into English through um, the authorization of King James. So what we read today in English was not necessarily the, the exact wording that they used when they translated in the Greek, but it was the word, but it was translated from Greek to whatever those scholars were using at that time. Now, the word translates translated church in the English Bible is ecclesia, which means which is a Greek word, which means to call, and the prefix is ek, out. So church in English means a called out, basically a called out group of people. So therefore, every time we read the word church in the New Testament, it refers to human beings. It never refers to a physical structure. Now, let's think about the word temple. The English translation of temple in the Old Testament will always refer to a physical structure. So think about that. The word church in the New Testament will always refer to a human being, and the word temple in the Old Testament will always refer to a physical structure. Now keep that in mind just for a second. Now I want to take you to the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 46 and 47, it says, but the word, because the word temple in the New Testament, through the English translation, could also be both a physical being and also a, or a human being and a physical structure. Listen to Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and, 40, and 47, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. This is referring to the church. This was on the day of Pentecost, when the first gospel message message was preached, those people that were there on that day heard the gospel. They were converted into the kingdom of heaven, which is that's what it's called, the kingdom of heaven, or the body, or in this case, the church. And it says that those people, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple, the physical temple, and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Here we have both words, 
Now consider First Corinthians chapter three, verse sixteen and verse seventeen. The apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Now ye know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So the physical body refers to a could at this point be referred to a spiritual temple that is um in the new that's also in the New Testament. So the Old Testament temple always first refers to a physical building, but in the New Testament translation the temple could both be a human being or or uh, a, a live human being. Now, I want to conduct a quick um, – I want to conduct a quick, quick search with you. Many of you use, like, iPhone, uh, version and or Android. So I want you to take that out right now. And we're going to go in into your U-Vision uh, or your U-Version, and I want you to look at something real close. And this kind of helps us to – understand more clearly how how this uh how it works and how how to understand this a little bit better. And what I've done is I've got several examples of the uh, the phrase if you type that in the church and then it's going to pull up a list of ch- of scriptures that you can look at. And of course you can go back and look at these scriptures if you don't want to uh, uh go along with us and pull these up. You can just listen and go back later. So God always has a way of applying in a way that it makes sense to us. And and here you have to use a little common sense. God gives us that so that when we're looking at things and it doesn't necessarily add up in our mind, we have those scriptures right there. We keep reading um, all these different scriptures that relate to the same topic, and then they begin to make sense. And by reading several passages that relate to this subject, uh, I believe it's going to make sense to us. Now, before we go on, you might be asking, well, uh, why should I trust you? I don't know you. And that's true. Like Brother Stevie said, I, I, none of you have ever seen me before. We've never met. I don't know you and you don't know me, but this is my background. I've been a minister in the body of Christ for 47 years. This this week was my 47th year in the body of Christ. I've been preaching for about 35 years. And I've preached over 4,000 sermons, so I think I have a pretty good understanding of this one and how this works. And hopefully I could, you know, uh, you will understand it uh, a little clearer today. So open up your U version, follow us as we look at the word, the church, for example. Matthew chapter 16 or chapter 18 and verse 16, it says, this is the first one I have, but if but if he will not hear thee, this is one of those arguments that Jesus was referring to that would happen in the in the kingdom. There's, there's measures that you have to go through to resolve problems. And he said, well, if you can't go to your brother and he won't hear you, this is the order that he's talking about. If he will not hear you, then take, him, take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he should neglect to hear, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it into the church, not the building, right? Do you go outside and talk to a, to the bricks and the mortar and the wood? No, he's he's referring to people. Tell it to the church. But if they ne- neglect to hear the church, let him be to thee as a heathen man and the publican. 
The next one is Philippians chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Circumcised, Paul's given his his accolades here. He's talking about how he came into, uh, he grew up in the Jewish religion, and he's sort of laying down to the Philippians his background. He said he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrew, as touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Philemon chapter 1, verse 2, and to our beloved Althea and our Chippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. He has a church in this, a church building in his house? No, of course not. He has people in his house, and those people are referred to as the church. Colossians chapter 4, verse 15, salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nephis, and the church which is in his house. Again, another example of the church referred to in the New Testament as people. Acts chapter 5, verse 11, when Ananias and Sapphira uh, sinned against God, <clears throat> God struck them down for stealing. Uh, and this sort of this plot they had conscrewed together, and they got caught up, right? And they were stealing from the Lord, and God called them on it. They, they both dropped dead in the presence of the apostles and the disciples. In verse, five, uh, verse 11, it says, And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. First Corinthians chapter first, uh, 14, verse 4, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. The building? No. The people. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, first to the people. Acts chapter 21, uh, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 12, verse 1, now about that time Herod, the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. So in conclusion, when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, I say also unto thee, Peter, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He was not building bricks. He was building people, for the people are the church. The temple could be the building or the people or a spiritual man, and that would be too confusing, so God made it simple. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse uh, 15, study the show thyself approved. And that's how we study, and that's how we come to these conclusions. Thank you for your time, and I hope that answered your question. Shout it out question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. With all the talk, what is your goal? With all the talk, what is your goal? With all the talk, what is your goal? Now that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that heaven is my goal. No matter what they say, call me and I'll go. I'll tell you, I'm not saying. Lord, I hear the streets are made for pure and gold. Breath of God blows gently through my soul. Lord, I give my all to you. Please make my dreams come true. Heaven is my goal. That's 
www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show. On Tuesday evening, I'm hosting a live show, What a Word from the Lord radio show, and I'll be hosting the show every second, third, and fourth Tuesday of the month. The second Tuesday of the month, we'll have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ who will be making their proclamation of the gospel of Christ. 
And also during this show, we have the Community Corner segment, the segment was designed for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our community. I also have two co-hosts on that show, Lou Gilbert, of the Oakwood Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Isa Mullins, he serves the Church of Christ in Cary, North Carolina. And the third Tuesday of the month, that show will air at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And my co-host, Dr. Therica Lane, she's a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist. She serves the Great Road Church of Christ there in Cincinnati, Ohio, and she'll be hosting her show, Conversations with Dr. Lane. And then on the fourth Tuesday of the month, that show will air at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And my co-host, Kelly Fletcher, she serves the Livingstone Church of Christ in Indianapolis, Indiana, and she'll be hosting her show, The Kelly Fletcher Show. Then on Thursday evening, I'll be hosting a live show each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, the Gospel Light Radio Show. And I have uh, eight co-hosts on this show, uh, Clay Phillips, Dr. Frank Washington, Steve Cordo, Robert Lee Johnson, Leonard Million, Stanley Hubbard, and Yusuf Alford, and Brian Christian Coleman. On this broadcast, we'll be presenting lessons from the Word of God. And each week, I have two co-hosts on the air with me. I'm also taking a question from my social media platform on Facebook. I'll be posting one of my co-hosts on this live show as well. Then on Friday night, I'm hosting a live show, DVDs, I fell off the music blast, and this radio show is the 2022 recipient for the Nakama National Academy of Christian I fell music artist award for outstanding achievement in record or radio. And this show will air at 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. And on this show, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, Sweet Sounds of Voices, and we're also interviewing artists, producers, comedians, etc. And also debuting new music and featured old music on this broadcast as well. Every third Friday of the month, we have my top 10 countdown show. And my on-demand episodes as well. There are there's just a variety of musical platforms that you can use to listen to these on-demand episodes. And just go to Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple iTunes, YouTube, just to name a few. And also have recorded version shows. These shows were album debuts mostly. And the same playlist that was used on the live shows on Ballcut Radio can be heard on these recorded version shows. And these shows can only be heard on iHeartRadio, Deezer, and also on Amazon music. Just search for Stevie B Recorded Version Show. I want to thank all of our sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. If you become a sponsor, just contact my sponsorship manager, Michelle Marco. She lives in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Her telephone number is 954-687-4705. The three E's of Stevie B Media Production. It is the objective of this broadcast. I want to educate, I want to edify, I want to encourage you in the study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. You're listening to the Gospel Live radio show. My co-host, Robert Lee Johnson, is up next. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Robert Lee Johnson. Well, thank you, Stevie. It's, um, it's always a great uh, pleasure to uh, have this opportunity to come and to uh, share the Bible talk about the Word of God where one is unhindered and uh, where one is not told what he can say and what he cannot say, just preach uh, the Word of, of God. And I feel at home <laughs> in um, um, menus of of that in venues of that particular uh, kind. So I'm thankful to be here today. I'm I'm grateful for life. I'm thankful to uh, be able to say something in the name of Jesus and because he is who he is. He died upon the cross for our sins and that we might have the opportunity uh, to go to heaven and to live for him and to to do his holy and uh, his divine will. I'm always happy to be able to talk about 
some things that are important to me from the Word of God. And there are people today who um, just feel like they can no longer preach the uh, gospel of the New Testament. We got to have something new. We got to we got to have something that's um, you know uplifting. And I, I I believe in uplifting people with the Word of God, but I don't know that we have to have an uplifting message every time we mount uh, the pulpit or have the opportunity uh, to talk about the Word of God. Sometimes we have to say some things that are difficult and hard and but nevertheless those things are true. Uh Jesus often preached lessons of that nature and kind and uh sometimes the people would pick up stones to throw at our Lord. <laughs> the same Lord that people appeal to sometimes when they say, well, you know, Jesus preached, and he was so loving and he was so kind. Well, if that is the case, and I don't doubt that it is, that he was loving and kind in his preaching, but he did not always uh, say things that made people feel good or, or happy. And so because he didn't, I don't believe that that is what I need uh, to do uh, today. But I want to talk about a subject that I feel like is uh, very close uh, to the hearts of people today because everybody has something to say uh, about it. Paul's words are appropriate in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, verses 18 and 19, the Bible says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, uh, but be filled with the Spirit. Listen to him now. He says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart uh, to the Lord. And that was what the apostle uh, commanded of the Christians uh, located in the city of, of Ephesus. So I'm going to talk about singing tonight. Uh, one might entitle it worship, but nevertheless, I think either way it gets the job done. Uh, the music in the New Testament church uh, is to be vocal music. And that is why I am going to talk about uh, this subject tonight. Now, in this lesson, we will look at the arguments for the exclusive use of a cappella singing within the worship of the Church of Christ. Uh, my objective then would be, uh, after this lesson is over, each member, each person that is listen, listening, uh, should be able to comprehend and teach others 
the reason why we sing and worship to God and why we do not employ instrumental music in Christian worship. I don't have any reserves at all about teaching on this lesson uh, because the Bible is clear and the Bible says what uh, it needs to say to a dying and criticizing world. And we can either believe God and listen to God, or we can do what we want to do and mess around and lose our soul. There are no alternative facts. This is not the political realm. God does not say one thing, and then we may change what he says, and it's going to be all right. This is not Donald Trump's world. And so many are following false teachers and false political messages, and that's going to be to their own particular hurt. Now, in this lesson, my aim as I look at the Bible this evening and this lesson, my aim is to conclusively show that a cappella singing is the exclusive type of music that Jesus wants within the church. I'm not talking about what I think about. I'm talking about what the Bible says, what the Bible teaches, what the New Testament uh, would lead us to understand and uh, to believe. And let me say this while I'm flying over this territory. God is not responsible for the false teachings, for the false doctrines that are afloat today. God is not responsible for preachers and teachers who uh, lead men astray who are divided according to the teachings of the Bible. We have to stay with the Bible. John said, believe not every spirit. That's what he said. He said, but try the spirit, whether they be of God. Why? Because many false Teachers have gone out into the world. And so in Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, we find here the kind of music the church has is certainly a big deal in today's religious environment. It is the first and the last thing that many people hear when they visit some church. And we need to recognize the fact that being the case, there are many for whom it is the primary reason for going to church. People have always enjoyed music. They've always enjoyed uh, listening to uh, music. And we need to make sure that what we are listening to is what the Bible says. Now, there is a place for music in worship. 
God has put it squarely in the church. And so my question would be, what music uh, of the church ought we as our employ when we worship God? What ought our attitude uh, be toward music in the church today? What should my attitude be? These are important questions. Now let us look at the situation today. Within churches of Christ, that music has been a cappella in nature. Within churches of Christ, God has given us his holy will and his word. And so we are to find what God wants. We're to do what God wants. Not what we want, not what we like, but that which God prescribes erroneous emotions and feelings and ways and teachings that are being described today. We need to make sure that we understand uh, what is taught uh, in the Bible. There are some churches today that teach instruments are optional. Other churches have adopted the instrument for some of their worship services. And so I'm asking a question just here. Is this merely a tradition that we have within churches of Christ? Is this something that is optional? In other words, may we do it or may we not do it? And if we don't want to do it, uh, should it have any bearing on us? Should it even bother us? Fellowship. Judging by what many churches are saying and doing today, it is not an issue of fellowship. With them, they just don't care. Sister Johnson, yeah. you hear one minute, please. Yeah. But when I read the Bible, when I read the Word of God, I find that. I find that fellowship is an important thing in the sight of God. So we'll look at this today and study it and hopefully make some sense out of this particular uh, lesson today. And I trust that you will continue to look for lessons of this kind uh, from faithful ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ who do not mind breaking the bread of truth and giving you what the word of God has to say. Uh, when you look at music from a historical perspective, it tends to mean something to you. But we can see that as far as sacred history 
is concerned, the church sang songs and praises, the Bible says, to God. Not one word do we find within sacred history regarding the use of instruments. Now, we saw and we'll see that in secular history, instruments were condemned by the church up to the 6th century A.D. Oh, there were men who stood up against uh, mechanical instruments of praise. When Pope Vitalian uh, I introduced these instruments into the worship service, there was trouble in the church. Things were already gone in other ways in that particular day. Even so, you can see, checking our history, that even up until the 1200s A.D., there was still some opposing uh, the use of the instrument uh, in churches in that day and time. And then along came the Reformation movement. And you can see from the Reformation movement, if you do a little study on your own, you'll find that great leaders in the Reformation movement oppose the use of the instrument in Christian worship. There were men who were not members of the Lord's church, but they opposed the use of the instrument came to worshiping God. And so these men opposed the instrument because when they went to the Bible, they did not find a foundation, that is the new covenant, and the beginning of the church, they found nothing in the New Testament that taught that one should worship God uh, through mechanical praise. And so they opposed the instrument. And they should have because the Bible does not sanction the use of instrumental music. That is, the New Testament does not sanction the use of instrumental music in Christian worship. And so, we must conclude then that the instrument has only been popular in use within the religious world for a period of over 200 years. 200 years. And so today, we will discuss some of these arguments and look at the exclusive use of a cappella music within the church. And we will see that the only safe ground is the ground uh, that is authorized uh, by the new covenant. Now I want to look at some arguments uh, to have the right attitude in prayer uh, the Bible teaches that we must ask in faith. Yes, we must ask in faith. The argument for a cappella music 
teaches us that it must be an argument by faith. Now go with me over to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10. One of the ways that people in days gone by were able to come to the truth was through the reading of the Bible, through the studying of the Bible. Many people no longer study the Bible because they think their opinion is just as good as what's in the Bible. Uh, friends, that's a tragic mistake. Look at Romans 10 and verse number 17. The Bible says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If we are to have faith in any worship item, it must be taught in the New Testament. And if it is not taught in the New Testament, then we are not to have faith in any item that is not taught by faith and that is not mentioned in the New Covenant. And so when we worship God, the action of worshiping with a cappella music is an action that comes from hearing God's word. Man, you got to hear the word of God. You can't just jump up and start doing something and think that such is acceptable in the sight of God. You must find on the pages of inspiration where God authorizes such an act, such a deed in order to be pleasing or acceptable in the sight of God. And so the action of worshiping with a cappella music is an action that comes from hearing God's word. Therefore, my conclusion then, therefore the action of worshiping with a cappella music is an action of faith. If I can find it in the Bible, uh, specifically speaking, the new covenant, if I can find it in the new covenant, then I know that it's okay for me to do it. Consequently, or conversely, if it is not in the new covenant, I don't care if everybody is doing it, then it is not something that you need to be doing. My second argument today uh, as stated against instrumental accompaniment. We must establish that the instrument is not an action of faith. All actions of faith are actions that only come from hearing the word of God. You can't do something by faith if it's not. In the Bible, the action of worshiping with mechanical instruments is an action that does not come from hearing God's word. Now, I know people are going to say, well, what about, what about uh, the psalm? What about David? And David had his heart. That's the Old Testament. The Old Testament was replaced by the New Testament, the New Covenant. Paul said in Colossians 2.14 that 
when Jesus died upon the cross, the old law, the old music, the old way of praising God was taken out of the way. So we're not under that old testament law. We're under the law of Jesus Christ. And so therefore the action of worshiping with the instrument is not an action of faith. Why, Brother Johnson? We because there is nothing in the new covenant that tells man or anyone to praise God with an instrument of music. We have preached in the church of Christ the truth for so many years, but now many are just giving up the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't even fight for it anymore. You're not standing for God. You're not standing for the faith of God. Man, it makes me sick to see all of these people today. They don't even try to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ any longer. So then we are, we are to stand for the faith and for the truth of God and for the word of Almighty God. And so all actions of faith are actions that only come from hearing God's word. The action of worshiping with the instrument is an action that does not come from hearing God's word. Where is the scripture? Point to it. Tell me where it is. You can't do that because it's not in the New Testament. Therefore, the action of worshiping with the instrument is not an action of faith. Saying today that we must establish that the instrument cannot please God. That's one of my jobs today. All actions that are not actions of faith are actions that cannot please God. Now, when you bring and use an instrument in worship, that is not an act of faith. Why, Brother Johnson? Because God did not authorize such in the new covenant. The action of worshiping with the instrument is not an action of faith. Therefore, the action of worshiping with the instrument cannot please God. You can't please God. You have something that he did not ask you for. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. The Bible says, I love to say that phrase, the Bible says, in Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, Prince Johnson, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You can't please God 
by doing something that God did not authorize. Okay, I want to deal with the, the argument from authority. I want to put as much in here today as I can get in here. And then if I need to come back, I'll come back again, if the good Lord says so. Now, the argument from authority simply says that God tells us how to carry out a deed or an act of faith. He authorizes it in his word. It's in there so that we can understand it. And so where in the Bible does God authorize instruments of music? Now, let me read something to you here. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 17. Preach, Brother Johnson. That's what I'm trying to do. Acts chapter 3 and verse number 17. The Bible says, it says, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, it says, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. You must have God's authorization when it comes to doing any deed, any act in worship to God. Where, is, where did God authorize instrumental music in the new covenant? I can tell you, you can't find it because God didn't authorize it. And if God didn't authorize it, you, if, and if you are, if one is using instruments of music in worship, that's contrary to the law of God. And so the Bible says here, the Bible says here that whatsoever you do in word or deed, words are what we say, deeds are what we do. It says to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That means by his authority. If you are using him, you're doing it. Because you cannot find it anywhere in the new covenant. We have members of the church today employing instrumental music to please the people. They say we'll have all kinds of worship, and you can attend the one that you want to attend. We want to make sure that all of you are happy. That's, listen, there's something wrong with that. We need to make sure that God is happy and not man. Man has no heaven nor hell to put anybody in. And all he's doing is leading people, dusty-eyed men. You better open up your Bible and read it. Jesus must authorize our deeds. And this includes worship in the church. And if Christ did not authorize you to do a deed or an act, then it's not according to his will and his way. In Ephesians 1.22, in Colossians 1.18, in 
In Ephesians 5.23, Jesus is the head of the church. Catholics say that the Pope is the head of the church. He is not. He is not a, a, a Pope is not the head of the church. He may be the head of the Catholic church, but he's not the head of the Lord's church. And so those scriptures teach us that Christ is the head of the church. We are to listen to Jesus. The argument for a cappella music. So when we go to the word of God, that's what we need to find. All divinely approved actions of worship within the church are actions that are authorized by the head of the church. Who is the head of the church? Christ. The actions of worshiping with a cappella music in the church is a divinely approved action of worship within the church. And you richly, in all wisdom, listen to him now, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The Bible says singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And so what God authorizes is singing. The type of songs that we are to sing, songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. The specific mode of music, the scripture says, singing, not beating, not picking up, plucking, not playing on a mechanical instrument. It says singing. Preach, Johnson, hard to the Lord. We're to God that we would get back to the Bible. <coughs> the only thing that's going to save us today is to go back to the Bible and follow the Bible. Ephesians 5, 19, Colossians 3, 16. And sometimes brothers say, well, uh, uh, you don't have that many scriptures. Well, how many do you need? <laughs> how many scriptures do you need? If God says at one time, that's enough. Now, you're looking for a reason to be disobedient. And the devil is going to give you one. And so, therefore, the action of worshiping with a cappella music in the church is an action that is authorized by the head of the church, Jesus. Jesus says, sing. That's what the Bible says. That's what we need to do to satisfy Almighty God. Now look at the argument against instrumental music. All divinely approved actions of worship within the church are actions that are authorized by the head of the church, Jesus. The action of worshiping with instrumental music is not an action that has been authorized by the head of the church, Jesus. In other words, Christ did not authorize the use 
of mechanical praise in Christian worship. You cannot use it. But, Brother Johnson, it sounds good. I don't care how good it sounds. You cannot use it. But, but, but Brother Johnson, it makes me feel good. I don't care how it makes you feel. You cannot use it. Why? Because the head of the church, Jesus, did not tell you to use it. Preach, Johnson. Worshiping with instrumental music is not a divinely approved action of worship within the church. You cannot do it. I don't care what preacher, I don't care how many doctorate degrees uh, some men have. I don't have a doctorate degree. But I've been taught how to study the Bible. I've been taught the truth. I've studied the Bible for myself. I said to one guy, one popular preacher in the brotherhood, who is now um, espousing instrumental music in worship, I said to him, I said, now, all of these preachers that we've had before you came along, Brother Hogan, Brother Kiba, Brother Guy in Woods, Brother Gus Nichols, all of these ministers that we've had before you, why is it that you are the only one that's teaching this false doctrine? You know what he said to me? I'm going to tell you what he said to me. He said, well, uh, they use a different paradigm than I'm using. And so I, I, I said, yeah, they did. I said, they used the New Testament. <laughs> In the New Testament, it tells you what God will accept and what God will not accept. But you're not using the New Testament. You're using something different than the New Testament. You're using your feelings, and you're using uh, popularity but with these answers. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are no alternative facts when it comes to the gospel. It is what the Bible says. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you can't do it in the name of the Lord, if you can't find in the new covenant where God told you to do it, then you better leave it alone. I'm not trying to follow no man. Some of us are followers of men. It's, it's an honorable thing to study and get a doctorate degree. But let me tell you something. Your doctorate degree does not offset what the Bible says. Preach, Brother Johnson. All I see today, doctor this and doctor that, and all of the doctors are confusing and teaching things contrary to what is taught in the Bible. Better get your New Testament out and read and study it and follow the New Testament of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and stick with what that says. I got a lot more to say today, but I don't believe I can finish this, so I'll make this part one. And I make it part two. 
If you want to be saved, then you need, you need to listen to the teachings of the Bible. And you need to follow what is written in the Bible in the second chapter of the book of Hebrews, the Hebrew writer says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip, spoken by angels with steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according, according to his own will according to the will of Jesus Christ. And so those song comes to mind, so many falling by the wayside, Lord, help me to stand. You're not going to be able to stand if you follow me. You're not going to be able to stand if you follow the ways and the doctrines and the commandments of men. You better get your Bible Find you a Bible-believing, a Bible-practicing church. Live a faithful Christian life. And do your best to go to heaven living for the Lord. Living for the Lord. There's no way I can finish tonight, so I'm just going to start right here. And if you're searching for a true church, if you're searching for the church of the Bible, the one that Jesus built, he said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, Matthew 16 and verse 18. But he said, many brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, not because you've been saved, but in order to be saved. That coupled with what Jesus said, go ye into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I want to encourage you to find a faithful church of Christ, men who study the Bible, love the Bible, Uphold the Bible, fight for the Bible, live by the Bible, and get baptized into the body of Christ, and work and worship with those brethren who do not employ or use instruments of music in Christian worship, and be faithful to death, and go to heaven, live for the Lord all your life, and go to heaven and live with God eternally. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate you so much. I will resume at my next opportunity to give you the to give you part two of this lesson. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Thank I'm thankful
thankful to those who uh, listen to the word of God today. May you be blessed and have a great day. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. It ain't easy. No. Sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord. Sometimes it gets rough. So rough, so rough. Sometimes. Has anybody been lonely all by yourself? Has anybody been sad, broken hearted and sad? Have you even been met? You had to cry all night
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. I want to thank you for spending a little time with us this evening in a study of God's Word. I want to thank all my co-hosts who have participated on this broadcast this evening, Glenn McMillian and Robert Lee Johnson, and you, sir, Al Ford. What a show, ladies and gentlemen. I just appreciate the courage that these men have coming forth and proclaiming the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you got to stand flat-footed. And just tell the truth. And that's what these broadcasts are all about. We have a responsibility to preach and not add to or take away from God's word. And that's what we try to do here on this broadcast. I want to thank, this is my prayer that these lessons that were presented this evening have been beneficial in your spiritual lives. And your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you not only tuned in this radio broadcast, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's word. So until we meet again, I pray God's continual blessings upon your lives. And that he bless you real Real good. You've been listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. On behalf of my co-host, we really do appreciate your love and support for these programs. I'm your host, Stephen R. Butler. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.